Hello and welcome, friends, to this week's edition of Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, here on your community radio station. We're Forward Radio, WFMP LP Louisville, broadcasting from downtown Louisville at the top of the historic Hayburn Building at 106.5 FM. And we live stream to the world at forwardradio.org. That's certainly one way we can reach our some of our rural listeners who might be out farming. And that's going to be the topic of our conversation today here on Sustainability Now. Now, I'm excited to have with me in the virtual studio today a couple of folks who are really excited to talk about organic farming in Kentucky. I've got Jenny Howard Owen, Organic Association of Kentucky's Education Coordinator. Welcome, Jenny. Thanks. Excited to be here. Yeah. I've also got a Jefferson County organic farm, her. <laughs> Lisa Windhorse is here. She's from Spade and Table Farm, which grows nutrient dense, certified organic veg using no-till biodynamic methods and you can learn more about them at spadeandtable.com welcome lisa thanks very much so happy to be here yeah so the excuse for getting y'all in the virtual studio with me today is to talk about the upcoming 10th annual first ever virtual organic association of kentucky conference the organization's most affectionately known by its acronym a lot of people hate acronyms but i think everybody likes the acronym oak and so the oak conference is coming up at the end of january and it's a whole new deal this year it's five days long from tuesday january 26th through saturday january 30th of 2021 it's on the theme of healthy soils healthy farms reshape Kentucky with organics. We're going to talk all about it today. So I encourage you to tune in and, and maybe think about registering for the conference because there's an early bird registration deadline coming up. So you, you might want to jump on this before the new year. In fact, Tuesday, December 15th is your deadline for the early bird discount. And you can learn more about the conference and registration rates and all that at oak-ky. Dot org. So let's start with Oak, Jenny. Who is Oak? What is this organization? What's your history? It is a little over 10 years ago now, about 2009. Organic farmers were talking to each other and realized that there weren't so many of them in Kentucky. Uh -huh. But what they had the most of was the community with each other to share. And they wanted that community to grow. There wasn't a lot of support coming from outside of the small group of them. And so they started to get together annually. They started to pull in allied professionals in the agriculture field who had interest in or knowledge of systems within organic farming to share with each other at that annual conference. And so this is our 10th annual conference. And along the way, they started offering field days for each other. So hosting oh, yeah. other farms on their farm. Those have continued to this year. We have membership that for our nonprofit and offer consumer education as well as farmer education is the heart of what we do. So that's kind of the nutshell. Yeah. And, and Lisa, I want to hear your story, too, because you're going to be actually speaking at this conference. But I imagine you've been a member of Oak for a while. Yes, I've been a member. Uh, let's see, this will be the 
fifth year. We received our organic certification in 2018. I was in Oak for several years prior to that, but have been farming initially as a backyard farmer, then expanding it to a hobby farmer and transitioning into a business over a period of, I guess, about 14 years now. I will be speaking at the conference. We're doing a session on the final day. Yeah. And what are you talking about at the conference? The title is Broad Fork to Brand. Love it. Uh, how you farm matters most. So we're addressing to the you know somewhat beginning organic farmer, talking about our methods and why we use the methods that we do, but also incorporating something that I think is in need in the farmer community, and that is talking specifically about the branding and the marketing and how you tie the message of what you do and why you know to something that's going to resonate with your customers, your potential customers. Gosh, that's such an important thing to note for for listeners who aren't in agriculture and haven't really thought about this much. Farmers have to be jacks of all trades, right? Or jills of all trades. I mean, the the variety of things you encounter in terms of challenges on a farm are enough. But then you think about, okay, it's not just about producing the stuff. I've got to sell it. And most people I think who get into farming, you know, aren't the kind of people who are just really excited about marketing. Right? Like that's if they were, they'd probably go to business school or get a job with a corporation or something like that. But farmers actually have to market and that is such a struggle for them. And I think organizations like Oak can be really valuable to help farmer to farmer exchange about, okay, what are some good tips and strategies for just doing basic marketing? I, I think that's going to be a very valuable session. We hope so. We we actually, both my husband and I come from a, a, a strong corporate background. There you go. <laughs> advertising. And so we took that, that knowledge that we had, and he also does graphics design. And, wow. and able to take those skills and uh, and transfer them into what we needed for Spade and Table Farm. And for us, it was a little bit easier, but we have tried really hard to work with other farmers in the area to teach them what we've learned, you know, what has worked for us, what hasn't worked for us sometimes as important. And so we hope that this class that we're going to be doing during the Oak Conference will have some really good information and some lessons learned. Yeah. And Jenny, is marketing something that Oak has always helped farmers out with? It always is a piece of it. It's interesting because when we advertise a list of our field days or our workshops or our conference offerings, the farmers are going to more quickly show up for one that is, how do you grow in this system a rotation of vegetables from spring through winter that will sell at your local market. How do you grow them successfully? It's about the production Uh for many of the farmers. And at the same time, when we really sit down and talk with them about what's something you could have some help with, it is, wow, we'd really like some help with graphic design. So our social media shows up in more people's feed or our market stand looks a little better to pull people over when they have a choice of 20 market stands to shop from. Uh And so it's great that every single farm is different and every single farmer and their leadership team at their farm are different. So like with Lisa and Jeff, they offer that marketing design corporate background 
background that not all farmers are going to have. And so that one will, in tandem with their excellent growing and organic certification on top of that, hopefully that will show up on people's radar for something they'd like to learn from. That's right. That's right. You know, the farm doesn't sell itself, but it has a lot of things about it that are easy to market, easy to sell. Like you say, with some good graphics, some good photographs, like even taking a good photo on your farm can make such a difference. So that's going to be, that's going to be a really valuable thing for organic farmers. Before we move any deeper into the conference, though, I just wanted to make sure we covered everything that Oak does. So Oak does transition trainer programming, does farmer field days, and then tell us about the Kentucky Farm Share Coalition. Yeah, so I want to back up just a little bit to the Transition Trainer Program and the Farmer Field Days. All of our farmer education and technical assistance, it's easy to get lost in our name and in our acronym, (laughs) OAK, which has remained the same and our emphasis on encouraging and assisting farmers to achieve organic certification like what we do through the Transition Trainer Program for our members to help them on farm, whether it's record keeping or in their systems in the field, help them figure out how to align that with the organic standards. That's a lot of documentation. It's a lot of regulation. And so we help walk them through that from the application all the way through. Mm that certification placed on their their marketing tools. And so the same is true with farmer field days where we have boots on the ground in someone's field, walking with a group of farmers who are attending the field day and learning from each other. That farmer to farmer exchange you referred to earlier is essential. It's what Oak always has been and, and likely always will be. And when I said not to get lost in the name, these are not only certified organic farms right. and farmers we are serving. So there is not another organization that is specifically in Kentucky dialing it in on sustainable agriculture and regenerative agriculture the way we are in our assistance and in our peer-to-peer learning. And that's what Oak was started for. We partner with Extension, we partner with the USDA, Um, organizations like Conservation Service that's very much about water and soil and air Mm -hmm. quality. And and all of those partners do a great job educating. We enhance that by bringing those partners in and by using our network of farmers to help folks grow in ways that are healthy for the soil, healthy for the ecosystem all around their farm and that their farm is a part of, as well as for the health of consumers. And, and of course, Lisa's a biodynamic farmer, and I want to ask her about that, too, and another, another sort of way of doing this sustainable regenerative farming. And I want to dive deep into what we mean by all these terms as well. <laughs> but just thinking about what the end goal is for a lot of your participants, I think I want to emphasize it might not necessarily be organic certification, right? While it is something we help with and encourage, it is not the absolute. Right. There is additional certification now with the regenerative organic certification that organic farmers can continue on to. And kind of jumping in for Lisa a little bit, just to tie that to the biodynamic systems, we really support the principles of regenerative agriculture and that alliance that's creating that new certification simply because it is tying in not only the health of the farming ecosystem, but it's tying in the fair treatment of farmers and workers and livestock welfare as well. So 
it's kind of a three-pronged approach to mm. respecting all players and parts of a farm system, people, animals, plants, and all that connects us with the earth mm. and soil. Lisa, how do you think yeah. about that? We might as well dive into this topic of regenerative versus biodynamic versus organic. How did you all settle on biodynamic and what does it mean? Well, in our case, it was something that to a certain extent, we had been practicing organic for years in our own personal garden, simply because of what we believed and the way, you know, we wanted to know about our food, what we were eating, and that it was, you know, good for us, that it was healthy, et cetera, et cetera. And then over a period of a number of years, actually, once we expanded our farm, we saw changes happening very naturally with levels with the success of what we were doing that plants you know, over a period of a couple of years didn't necessarily look as healthy and and at that time we were doing you know a minimal amount of tilling like most people are that have that are working a small-scale farm and we we felt like something just wasn't right but we didn't know exactly what it was and this hmm. well before we were ever involved in oak and the organic association so what we learned by doing some research is that the soil health was suffering hmm. year after we were seeing a very gradual decline in all aspects of production. And so as part of that research, we were exposed to producers like Jean-Martin Fortier and Back to Eden Farm and a number of other regenerative farms. You know, I like Coleman. We started following Joel Salatin and the practices that he had. So little by little, we and then, of course, you know, we were watching videos from all of these sources and reading books and so on. And we realized that while we had started off doing things right, we weren't continuing to do what we needed to do in order to enhance soil health and ultimately the plant health and then finally the health of the produce and the nutrient density of the produce and that obviously translates into the health of people. So that's, you know, that's how we got started down that path. And mm -hmm. then once we were involved with Oak and attending their conferences and going to their field days, you know, it opened up a whole new world to us. We realized how much we didn't know. And then, yeah. you know, getting the organic certification just took it one step further. That's great. I'm speaking today with a couple of folks who are excited to talk about regenerative, organic, sustainable agriculture here in Kentucky. You just heard from one of our Jefferson County farmers, Lisa Winhorst. She's at Spade and Table Farm producing uh, veggies using no-till biodynamic methods, and you can learn about them at spadeandtable.com. We've also got Jenny Howard Owen from the Organic Association of Kentucky, or OAK. She's their education coordinator and helping pull together the 10th annual OAK conference coming up January 26th through 30th with an early bird registration deadline of December 15th coming up soon. So we're going to talk more about that conference in a minute. But I want to highlight before we do, the theme of the conference is healthy soils, healthy farms. And, I, and something Lisa just said too about soils, really, I, I want to pause in, in a minute and, and just focus on how important developing a new relationship with soil is for sustainable agriculture, right? I don't think most people realize that soil is a living thing and that soil is not just a growing medium, right? And that it's really about our relationship with soil and the more at a broader scale, our relationship with the land as well, right? And organic regenerative agriculture is about conserving landscapes and biological diversity and using soils to mitigate climate change, right? Uh, so talk a little bit about how important soils are for a sustainable society, really. Well, I'll jump on that. This is Jenny. With soil, Soil health, that term has been 
brought into the, the general conversations of agriculture, whether it's organic or conventional at this point, because more and more the science and the art of farming are showing us that we need to go back to even the 18th and 19th century agriculture writings and really see how they talked about soil as an ecosystem in itself. You, you call it a living thing and it's very much that, you know, the term dirt doesn't come off very often <laughs> with farmers anymore, unless you're talking about it just being under your fingernails. Under your nails, right. <laughs> but other than that, it's soil because it really is thinking about it as that living ecosystem where the plant's roots are in connection and in exchange with all of the fungi, the microbes, um, the water courseways, all of that together is offering that plant everything it needs. And without any of that part, you're missing key factors that contribute to the balance of minerals and nutrients that ultimately end up in the food or the crop above ground. And that is what we take in when we're using or eating that plant's products. Um, so we're very much about thinking about soil health as the foundation for the way we farm. There is a collaboration, and this is one of the things that having a nonprofit and having a, a network of farmers and professionals helps us to build. There's an initiative right now called the Real Food Campaign that many of our farmers are participating in. And Lisa and Jeff are among those farms. And this allows them brand new science. It's a tool that allows them to measure the nutrient density in the vegetables that they're creating. And it's kind of a, a trial program where they're doing tests on their vegetable matter. They're doing tests on their soil. They're submitting that. And then this organization is, their scientists are analyzing all of that and look at their specific practices that the farmer has reported on to then look at that carrot and what's in it and be able to ultimately down the road tell the consumer this carrot is healthier for you than that carrot and so that work is happening now in kentucky with some of our farmers and trial and moving forward with the science of the future so it's all about the soil health being directly connected to human health ultimately and Lisa, have you seen that in your consumers and in yourself, I assume? I assume you eat off the farm as well. Have you Absolutely. seen Absolutely. We, we we don't grow anything that we that we wouldn't eat ourselves, and we certainly don't sell anything that we wouldn't eat ourselves. But I will say just to kind of piggyback on what Jenny was saying in terms of the nutrient density, what we've also learned and, and early on, we were working initially with a lot of chefs at restaurants in the local area because of connections that I had to some of those restaurants and so on through another organization. And I recall just having the question asked of me time and time again by some of those chefs and one in particular, how do you make it taste so good? How do you grow, <laughs> you know, why do your carrots taste so much better or why do your tomatoes taste so much better than others that we're getting? Yeah. You know, I very much in a cavalier way would say, well, there's a lot of TLC that goes to it. <laughs> Honestly, at that point, I don't think I really knew. You know, I knew we were doing things right. We were trying to do things right. There were a lot of things that we weren't doing, but I really didn't know why what we were doing affected the taste. Right. Um, and obviously, you know, since then, we've come to the realization that it's not just TLC. It's, you know, taking care of that soil and TLC that you give your soil 
translates into the health of the plant again and the health of the produce and ultimately the taste of that produce. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, cooks often use the phrase, you know, you could taste the love. And and I mm-hmm. think you could trace that all the way back to the farmer, right? You could taste that farmer's love for the land in a sense, right? If 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 soil is well cared for and and you have a healthy ecosystem on your farm, you're going to taste that in the food. And that, that's so cool. <laughs> that's such a great way to think about it, I think. And I kind of asked a question earlier that, that got dropped in. I want to come back to it about the Kentucky Farm Share Coalition, because this is about helping get some of these smaller scale organic farm produce onto the tables of consumers, right? Jenny, talk a little bit about it. Absolutely. Thanks. I was going to try to wrap back around to that too, Jeff. <laughs> you, you brought me back. So the Kentucky Farm Share Coalition started as a partnership. The city of Lexington and County Fayette had worked to pilot this program with UK and it's grown much larger. Essentially, it is a program that Kentucky Organic Farms Community Supported Agriculture, or CSA program, where their customers up front commit to being a member of their farm and get weekly shares, usually weekly shares, throughout the growing season. Those CSAs are supporting a lot of the small farms that allow them to know at the beginning of the season that they have a definite market, what they need to grow and when, and they're committed to those members as a part of their farm family. Right. So in supporting the CSA model, the Kentucky Farm Share Coalition then helps to incentivize the purchase of shares by employers for employees who work for them to buy into shares from a local farm. And so uh, let's say a Kentuckian working for University of Kentucky might be interested in this and UK says, okay, we're going to help you to pay for that share. We're going to offer X dollars off of that share. We'll pay that part. And you can choose which of these local farms you want to buy from. Then the university as the employer would help make those connections, maybe Mm. offer additional educational programming on how to cook the vegetables you're getting in collaboration with Kentucky Farm Share Coalition. Mm. And so it's a growing program. Every year we have more farms, more employers, and more consumers who are taking advantage of that. Just this past year, we helped sale of almost a thousand CSA shares. And that's additional shares that those farms would not have had otherwise. And that generated a total farm impact of $540,000 to our local farm food economy. The, The really fun thing about that, in addition to supporting these farms, getting more people to eat local and organic and to know their farmers, and to have more employers supporting that wellness, it's a benefit to the employers themselves because they're now finding through the collection of data that CSA participants are going to the doctor less and they're spending less on (laughs) diet-related pharmaceuticals. They're reporting fewer medical claims. And so therefore that employer is offering insurance, offering wellness and health benefits to these employees. It's paying off in the long run because these employees with these CSA shares eating organic and local 
are actually healthier. Oh, I love that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great. Lot, a lot of organizations, companies want to do this through their wellness program because they they already have programs to help keep people healthy. But if they don't have access to that fresh, healthy food, it can be that can be a barrier right there. So that's great. And then you also help connect consumers in other ways through educational events like the Find a Farm directory, right? Right. So that's less of an event than an online um, portal. And anyone can visit our website, oak-ky.org, and go to that Find a Farm directory. We have Oak member farms on there. There are about 80 of them right now. They're all Kentucky farms, or there may be a couple that are just over a river somewhere. Yeah, but, we got a lot of those. <laughs> in general, our um, friends Kentucky across the river. Farmers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> They are listed on there and they keep those profiles update. They often link to their social media or to their website, but they also show which markets they're participating in. And this is just another way for people to have easy access to plugging in their zip code and find their local farm that's selling organic eggs or selling naturally grown products. This is, must be hugely important in the pandemic, right? When when a lot of our farmers markets or, or traditional channels aren't happening. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, and that, that does kind of wrap around to how much farms have had to pivot in using online resources and other creative ways. I know Lisa and Jeff have done some of that. You could probably share with them, Lisa. Yeah, absolutely. We, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, previously we had been working primarily with restaurants and, and caterers, you know, chefs and whatnot. And I would say it was initially probably 80-20 with restaurants versus individual consumers. And this year, because of circumstances, obviously that pretty much flipped. Thankfully, we still have some restaurant customers that we're working with, but the majority have been via farmer's markets. The interesting thing about that and, and, and the reason we wanted to do farmer's markets is because, you know, the connection to the consumer oh, yeah. was such an important thing to both Jeff and I, you know, meeting the individuals. And, and, and really, that's what started the whole journey into farming as a kind of a, a next career for the two of us was, you know, just making the connection initially with family and friends and work associates and things like that, that we were giving the produce to and then hearing what they had done with it for their families, seeing pictures of, you know, their dinner plates when social media really started going. And, you know, that was something that really the two of us connected with is just knowing what people were doing with the produce that we were growing and at that point giving away. But that connection held firm, you know, once we started working with, you know, people that initially we didn't know who were coming to the farmer's markets. And, you know, we were sharing recipes. That, you know, it was, it was amazing how many people admired. They loved the beautiful eggplant that we had on the table, but they had no idea what to do with an eggplant. Oh, and, yeah. You know, and there, there were a number, number of other instances like that. So we started doing recipe cards. You know, I would type up my favorite eggplant recipe and we'd take it. And if somebody was interested in it, I'd hand it out. There and kale salad. Went. Now we've got about 10 or 12 recipe cards that we put out with our produce that people pick up. And the most fun thing that has happened this year is that we now have customers who are bringing us their recipes. <laughs> I, like I did it. this with your eggplant. You know, you've got to try <laughs> it or, you know, or with your carrots, you've got to try it. It's delicious. You'll love it. And so we've got plans next year to take some of our customers' recipes and print them up on recipe cards and start distributing that. So the, the connection back and forth um, has been just really, really important. It's been fun this year more than ever, I think. It yeah. has just been absolutely invaluable. 
Sounds like community to me, and that's what Absolutely. we need for sustainability, right? <laughs> You're listening to Forward Radio with me, Justin Mogg, on Sustainability Now. Today, we're talking about farming and food with Jenny Howard Owen from Oak, the Organic Association of Kentucky, as well as one of our Jefferson County organic farmers, Lisa Windhorse from Spade and Table Farm. Where is your farm, Lisa? What part of the county? We are located in eastern Jefferson County, just outside of Middletown. Outside of so Middletown. We are, you know, we're in a, a, a bit of a, you know, the last bastion of rural area within the Gene Snyder, very close to, you know, all of the city's restaurants and conveniences and so on. But we have a what we like to call a little piece of paradise, oh. still somewhat unde- undeveloped. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and of course, there are farmers even here in downtown Louisville in the concrete jungle. We've got urban agriculture happening in this county as well. And something you said right at the start, Lisa, uh, I wanted to put a pin in and come back to was about, you know, you started as just sort of backyard gardeners. And, and it brings up for me this question of, well, how do we define who is a farmer? What Because the scale really matters. And scale is really important when we talk about doing things more sustainably, too. A regenerative agriculture, organic agriculture. Of course, it, it can happen at all kinds of scales. But I think we tend to see it start at smaller scales, right? Talk a little bit about that. The, both, both of you can maybe touch on that, about the, this issue of scale in, in organic and sustainable ag. One of the, one of a few drawbacks of having a virtual conference is we have fewer sessions than we're used to having. Mm. And as an organizer, some might think that that was easier, that I had fewer speakers to organize and manage and balance out on a schedule. It's actually been hard to decide what not to include oh, yeah. with fewer sessions. And so, Justin, you may remember our conference last year was uh, in Louisville. I sure do. We had more of a focus on urban agriculture mm-hmm. than we have had in the past. And a lot of that comes from just people reaching out to us and saying, you know, what what do I do with this plot of land? Can you help me with that? I'm yeah. not sure who to talk to, you know, and and so they come across our website or our materials or something. And so this year we don't specifically have an urban agriculture track or series of sessions. We have many speakers who can speak to a backyard gardener just as well Mm -hmm. as to a hundred acre farmer, which is about the average for a Kentucky farm. And so that really is that idea of scale. All of the practices that Lisa uses at her farm as an organic certified farm with the USDA are the same practices that someone could use in their backyard garden plot that they just started last year because of a pandemic. All of those same practices of keeping the the soil from being bare at any time, because every time the soil is bare, you're potentially losing nutrients from that top layer of very rich soil, learning to use cover crops to cover that up learning to rotate and not plant a tomato where you had a pepper last year because that's the same plant family and Mm. pest and disease are going to follow if you continue to put that same plant family in the same place. Learning to to minimize or completely eliminate chemical additions of Mm. any type into your soil and how to do that in ways that are both economical, practical, and healthy for the soil and for all of us. And so that's just a handful of the systems, techniques that can be used in a garden as well as 
on the farm. And, and one thing that, that I'll add to that, actually a couple of things that I can add to that, um, and I'm thinking about the very first Oak conference that Jeff and I attended, that one of the things that stood out to us is how other farmers were willing to share what they knew, what they had learned. There was no sense at all of proprietary kinds of information. Right. I'm not going to share my secrets and my tips with you because, you know, you might be a competitor someday. I mean, everyone was really open. And, of course, you had the one-on-one, face-to-face networking. But because that made such an impression on us, and we feel like at our age, you know, we don't want to take, you know, what we've learned to the grave either. So we want want to share that information. So we have posted field days. We've hosted groups out to the farm, um, you know, to tour the farm and show them what we're doing and why we do it this way, why we use a broad fork, you know, as opposed the tiller like we used to. But the second thing that I wanted to mention is that this year in particular, you know, in making the all the connections with the farmer's market customers, there have been many, many, just countless people who have said, you know, I've got a backyard garden, you know, they may have had one for a couple of years, or maybe this is their first year delving into it, that, that there were lots of opportunities for conversations if they were having a problem or an issue that they couldn't figure out. And sometimes we had the answers for them very easily right off the top of the head, usually because we had experienced it at one point or another ourselves. Right. Um, other times we needed to do a little bit of research and then we'd see them hopefully in the next week or two and could come back to them. But finally, you know, kind of along those lines, one of the things that we've got planned for our farm is to do a backyard demo garden. Oh, we've wow. Created, and we had planned, that was in our 2020 plans to do it this year. And a for lot. obvious reasons, <laughs> we were doing, you know, a bit of scrambling ourselves yeah. um, on the farm, and it wasn't conducive to having lots of folks <laughs> to visit. Um, we kind of tabled that, but it's strong the calendar for 2021. Yeah. Oh, that's the plan great. Is to take a section of one of our field plots and literally make, you know, what would be the average backyard garden and use a variety of techniques, you know, with raised beds, you know, permanent raised beds, maybe boxed in raised beds, mm-hmm. and then invite folks to come out and see the garden, you know, and show exactly how much food you can grow in a very small plot of land. It's amazing. Yeah. So we're really excited about that. And, you know, we want to teach, we want to share, we want to share the mission. We want to share what we've learned. And and we think that's going to be a good opportunity to do it. Awesome. Well, in our last few minutes here, let's talk about the conference itself. So we talk about disrupted plans in 2020. It's kind of funny because the 2020 Oak Conference was the last big gathering I went to. <laughs> it's, it's, it really sticks out in my mind. Uh, you know, here. <laughs> it was my first Oak Conference as well, and because it was hosted here in Louisville, I was able to get to it this year. Such a big gathering of people. We're going to try and recreate that virtually uh, January 26th through 30th with the 10th annual Oak Conference. And again, registration is open now, and the early bird deadline is Tuesday the 15th of December, and it's at oak-ky.org. It's going to be five days with 30 local and national speakers, no concurrent sessions. You don't have to miss anything if you if you can't make it, right? And things will be recorded, I, I assume, and available later. Uh, there'll be live Q&A, though, if you can tune in, and networking opportunities and farmer roundtables. So let's talk about it. Uh, what are some things to highlight about this year's conference? Well, one exciting thing is that we have added a keynote speaker to each of the five days. We typically have a two-day, that in-person conference is two days, 
and we generally have one each day. There was a little bit of shuffling around where one of the good things about having a virtual conference is there may be a speaker who would charge us too much, very honestly, to come. We're a small nonprofit. We only can spend so much to fly somebody in or drive them here, put them up in a hotel and then pay their speaker fee as well. And so a couple of people were a little bit cheaper when we have a virtual conference (laughs) and they don't have to leave their room or office. So I won't name any names, but every day has a keynote and we've got some really exciting issues to talk about with those speakers. And so the, the keynote event in a virtual setting will have that specific keynote speaker talking for their 40, 45 minutes, and then a good chunk of time, half an hour or so, where they'll, it'll be live Q&A with the attendees who are there with us. And so um, with the very first day, the one to kick us off, we're really excited about. She's been on our list to invite for several years and honestly has been a little bit too busy to join us. And so maybe because it's a virtual conference, she was able to make it. Um, But she is Leah Penniman, and she is a farmer, an organic farmer from New York State. She is um, a black Creole farmer. She's a mother. She's an author of an amazing book called Farming While Black. And she is uh, a food justice activist. She has been along her path of learning how to be an organic farmer learning also more about uh, the decline of African-American farmers on the soil here in our country and wanting to push back against that and help to educate uh, a new generation of farmers who are respecting the soil, bringing back a lot of those African-American and native and indigenous traditions that we call modern sometimes. And they're actually historically rooted in a lot of the indigenous peoples um, from around the world. And so she's going to talk a lot about that and share that conversation with us, both on a national and a a state scale, what that looks like for us. Oh, that's fantastic. Leah Penniman's amazing. You're also going to have a practicing family physician, right? Uh, Daphne Miller, who wrote a book called Pharmacology with an F. Tell me about that. Yeah, so she is, um, to, to all appearances, a very urban doctor, everything I know about her. She's um, worked at UC Berkeley and she started finding herself telling more and more patients, you know, let's talk about your diet, maybe mm-hmm. shift to organic foods, maybe try to source more things locally, more fresh foods. And the more she did that, the more she started thinking about what what that's really, why is that, that she was telling them that, you know, more and more research was showing it. So she started visiting farms and that took her on this long path of writing a couple of different books, exploring how soil health truly does contribute to human health. And so she's going to share some of that research and some anecdotes and a medical perspective on how agriculture and conservation in tandem with each other, and often that's looked at now as regenerative agriculture, is truly helping human health. Um, One of the things that 
she, one of the quotes that I love from her um, that she likes to talk about is how the biochemical makeup of our bodies is very, very similar to soil. Um, the same range for a normal pH, the same nitrogen to carbon ratio. And so it truly is that we, we are what we eat. Yeah. It's yeah. her message. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Yeah. Health from the ground up is the subtitle of that pharmacology mm -hmm. book. Cause that's it totally touches on what we were talking about earlier. You have several other authors speaking as well as a fourth generation cattleman, Will Harris, uh, has been attending the same land as great grandfather settled in 1866. That's amazing. Uh, where is he out of? He's in Georgia. in Georgia and we brought him in, um, for two big reasons. One, because he has, he is a lifetime farmer who yeah. has gone back to his roots in a different way that a lot of people mention it. You know, he never necessarily quit farming except when he went away to school. But he realized over time that the way his grandfather was farming is the way he needed to be farming. And he and his father had moved away from it. And so they're moving back to integrating livestock and crops on the same land and using that livestock fertility and the working of the soil to add to, after a, a rotation, add to the health of the soil and the benefit to the crops that that animal crop inter integration adds in. So he's going to share the story of his land, bringing that full circle. Fantastic. And in addition to these big national names, we're going to have great Kentucky speakers like Lisa Windhorse, our guest today from Spade and Table right here in Jefferson County. The amazing Adam Barr from Barr Farms, what a seventh generation family farm out in Meade County. Uh, just a whole bunch of other names we don't have time to list now, but folks can learn about all of them and get registered before the early bird deadline on December 15th at oak-ky.org. And again, the conference is coming up at the end of January, January 26th to 30th. Any last things to say to recommend it to folks? You don't want to miss it. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> I, I, we, usually we talk about the great food and all that. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to do that this year, right? <laughs> it's very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I would just add that oak is by farmers for farmers, but it really is in a sense of including all Kentuckians in the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, it is about more than just helping farmers, although it's a, a primary goal to help farmers succeed and improve their success in moving forward. But it's also about helping Kentuckians in general to develop more local and more resilient food systems where the kind of situation we've had in the past year where people feared for where they were going to get their meat or where they were going sure. to get their food, that that situation doesn't pose as much of a challenge in the future, that people are growing their own, that they're growing healthy, that they know where to find it if they're not growing their own and that it is as healthy as possible and that we're all supporting each other and feeding each other and yeah. taking care of our ecosystems. Well, that's a perfect note to end on. We are all a part of this food system, and so we can all be a part of helping make it better. And I want to honor the work that the Organic Association of Kentucky does to do that. And I want to honor the work of Jefferson County farmers like you, Lisa Windhorse. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you've been listening to Jenny Howard Owen from Oak and Lisa Windhorse from Spade and Table Farm. You can learn more about them at spadeandtable.com. And you can learn more about Oak and the Oak Conference and get registered 
at oak-ky.org. Thank you all so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Justin. Uh, Stay tuned, everybody. Coming up in just a minute, it's your community action calendar with lots of great ideas for how you can get involved in sustainability this week. So stay tuned. here on Sustainability Now with me, Justin Mogg, listening to the beautiful sounds of Apple Latin. You can learn more about them at AppleLatin.com. And many thanks to them for letting us use their great local music in the podcast versions of our programs. You can find all the archives at forwardradio.org. All right, let's sharpen our pencils and get our calendars out and get ready to take action for sustainability this week. Starting this week, you can start submitting your feedback about a new plan for Broadway. We are sitting here uh, in the Hayburn Building, broadcasting here on Forward Radio on Broadway at 4th. And there is development of a new plan for Broadway all the way, reimagining this entire thoroughfare that cuts right through our city as a new space for people that's safe and healthy and fun and a pleasant place to be instead of a superhighway for cars. So take the 10-minute survey at broadwayalltheway.org to submit your feedback. Broadway All The Way is a visionary transportation planning process to reimagine the entire corridor all the way from Shawnee Park to Baxter Avenue, prioritizing safety, mobility, accessibility, and equity. Metro Louisville's team has developed a series of draft plans for the four unique sections of Broadway and questions to better understand community priorities for the thoroughfare now and in the future. This survey covers issues such as transit and bus stops, crosswalks, lighting, green infrastructure and trees, sidewalks and multi-use paths, parking and public plazas and gathering spaces. It'll take approximately 10 to 15 minutes to complete, so be sure and submit your feedback to the plans and check them out at broadwayalltheway.org. Now, we're in the middle of 12 days of cooperation through Christmas Eve, actually. I think this is being put on by the Louisville Community Grocery. It's their major outreach event for the holidays. Let's gift in solidarity together. And we're taking the 12 days of Christmas and applying them to 12 different days of teaching, training, activities, gifting, and celebration, all tying back to our mission and values. The goal is to bring on at least 500 new owners in the month of December to bring us to our 800 owner goal by New Year's Eve. Eve, so we can decide on and announce the location of our full-size community-owned grocery store at the all-owner meeting coming up on January 19th. 
schedule of festivities is available at lufoodcoop.com slash 12 days. And you can learn more about all the things happening uh, this week, including this Tuesday, the 8th at noon on Zoom. It's beyond diversity, equity, inclusion in the food system. Diversity, equity, and inclusion training for owners and for the food industry. It's free for owners, $40 for non-owners, and it is facilitated by the leadership of the Louisville Community Grocery at noon. Uh, It's all virtual on Tuesday, December 8th. Coming up on Saturday, the 12th at 10 a.m., it's uh, Yoga with Siobhan Evans. Uh, Again, presented on Zoom and free for everybody. Uh, and then also on Saturday, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Falls City Community Bike Works in beautiful Shelby Park at 1217 Logan Street. It's a wreath-making workshop with the Louisville Bike Co-op. We'll be using old bike wheels and local greenery to make our own beautiful holiday wreaths from 11 to 3 on Saturday the 12th at Falls City Community Bike Works. And also coming up Sunday, December 13th, as I mentioned last week on the show, these uh, fruit tree orchard pruning workshops and parties are happening and this sunday december 13th 12 to 4 it'll be we'll be back at produce park there on 30th street just uh, north of muhammad ali and it's uh, winter tree pruning parties and for our community gardens and orchards around the city and you don't need to know anything we will teach you how to prune it's a great opportunity to learn how to properly prune a fruit tree too and then on monday december 14th at 6 p.m on zoom it'll be a Healthy Holiday Food Cooking Demo with Chef Damaris Phillips uh, at 6 p.m. via Zoom on Monday, December 14th. And events continue. You can learn more about the 12 Days of Cooperation at lufoodcoop.com slash 12 days. That's the number one, two days. Now, I already promoted it, the Urban Agriculture Coalition's Public Orchard Winter Workshops. Get your cold weather gear out and let's prune fruit trees together. Proud Forward Radio community partner, the Urban Ag Coalition, is helping neighbors to prune the community orchards throughout our city again this year. You can come out and learn more and learn how to prune fruit trees and help maintain those in our community orchards. Tools will be provided, but you also can bring your own. And you can sign up and learn more at tinyurl.com slash orchards 2020 so i mentioned the produce park pruning that's happening again on sunday the 13th from two to four well also you can prune at the seventh street community garden on tuesday the 8th from two to four p.m and there will be more dates on weekends and weekdays through february 7th you can learn more at tinyurl.com slash orchards 2020 also want to let you know that the Louisville Metro Land Development Code Reform Workshops are happening December 8th, 12th, and 15th. The Land Development Code, which provides the zoning regulations for Louisville Metro, is often amended. Planning and Design Services is currently reviewing the Land Development Code to find ways to modernize development regulations and ensure that they are equitable and improve the quality of life of all citizens. They've organized the following workshops focusing on housing, environmental justice, and processes and education based upon the feedback from their October listening sessions. So you can get in on it Tuesday, December 8th at 6 p.m. The focus there will be on the housing. The Urban Institute will give an overview of the Land Development Code diagnosis findings 
Meetings and the Housing Needs Assessment and Lead Discussion about Missing Middle Housing. How about that? This Tuesday, December 8th at 6 p.m. You can learn more and get the links to join at louisvilleky.gov slash LDC reform for the Land Development Code LDC reform. And then on Saturday the 12th at 10 a.m., it's an environmental justice workshop. The Urban Institute Develop Louisville Air Pollution Control District and community representatives will present uh, a, a discussion around topics such as environmental justice issues in Louisville, brownfields, and land use approaches to environmental justice. And it concludes on Tuesday the 15th at 6 p.m. with a process and education workshop. Meeting topics will range from general application procedures and processes, land development code content, public noticing requirements, capital improvement plans, and educational outreach programs and more. Again, you can learn more about all of these land development code reform workshops at louisvilleky.gov slash LDC reform. You don't need to register in advance and the links to join those virtual workshops are there. Also on Tuesday the 8th at 7 p.m., it's an end white silence. Louisville showing up for racial justice monthly meeting. They're ending the year with a new and improved approach to their monthly meeting, and this is a great time to invite a friend, family member, or co-worker. From 7 to 7.30, there'll be a welcome for new folks. You can join us uh, before the meeting if you want to learn more about LSurge. And then from 7.30 to 8.30, the main meeting will happen. All are welcome. It's about ending white silence. Topics this month include justice for Brianna Taylor, ending cash bail, fights over defunding the police and investing in our community. Feel free to join at either 7 or 7.30. And if you need ASL interpretation, email louisvillesurge at gmail.com. You can find more and find the link to register at facebook.com slash S-U-R-J Louisville. Thursday, December 10th, and then also on the 17th at 5.30, as well as Saturday, December 19th at 10 a.m., it's the Kentucky Environmental Leadership Institute, a three-part virtual learning workshop for beginning environmental activists in Jefferson County. The Kentucky Resources Council presents this Environmental Leadership Institute and it's broadening your understanding of environmental justice and to learn how to better advocate for the places you live in and love. Topics include a brief history of environmental justice, how to monitor threats to community health, environment, and safety, how to gather information about proposed and in-progress projects, how to get involved in the decision-making process. Speakers include the amazing Tom Fitzgerald from the Kentucky Resources Council, Sarah Lynn Cunningham from the Louisville Climate Action Network, Adam Johnson uh, from Jenkins. Fenster Maker, uh, PLLC, Liz Edmondson from the Kentucky Resources Council, and Arnita Gadsen from the West Jefferson County Community Task Force. This session will include tailored information about how to get involved at the local level. The ideal student for this specific session would be a Jefferson County resident. Future sessions will be tailored. Uh, information with about additional Kentucky localities will be held at a later time. So you can apply for this three-part virtual learning workshop that is Thursday, December 10th, as well as the 17th at 5.30, and also Saturday the 19th at 10 a.m. You can apply at kyrc.org. 
There's going to be a night hike coming up next Saturday, December 12th, as well as on the 26th from 7 to 8 p.m. at the Louisville Nature Center, 3745 Illinois Avenue. You can join us for a guided hike through the forest after dark. It's located right in the center of Louisville and adjacent to the Bear Grass Creek State Nature Preserve. The Louisville Nature Center offers nature and sustainability education as well as an urban wilderness experience. The unique urban forest includes two miles of hiking trails through the 41-acre Beargrass Creek State Nature Preserve and 30 acres of surrounding forest. The Nature Center and Preserve are located on an upland and floodplain forest that has over 180 species of trees, shrubs, and flowering plants. It's also home to over 150 species of resident and migratory birds and other animals. The grounds include a nature play area, a bird blind, a rain garden, and a sensory garden that are home to butterflies, hummingbirds, and beneficial insects, as well as the center itself, which houses a few reptiles and amphibians, as well as other native wildlife specimens. Due to the pandemic, this event will be limited to a maximum of 10 participants, and masks are required, but you can get in on the night hike this Saturday at 7 p.m. Register in advance at louisvillenaturecenter.org. And on Sunday the 13th at 4 p.m., it's as though our lives depend on it why white folks must join the anti-racist movement. And Braden once said, the fight against racism is not something we're called on to help people of color with. We need to become involved as if our lives depended on it, because in truth, they do. You can join L Surge for this panel discussion about how the liberation and humanity of white folks depends on our centering anti-racism. Whether we're talking about queer and trans liberation, poverty, patriarchy, disability justice, or the destruction of the very earth we walk on, centering anti-racism is crucial. Join our panelists for this dynamic dynamic conversation. They'll include Chris Hartman, director of the Fairness Campaign, Amanda Stahl, director of Independent Seekers, Rednecks for Black Lives, and Organizing White Men for Collective Liberation. To request ASL interpretation, email louisvillesurge at gmail.com. You can find more and find the link to register at facebook.com slash S-U-R-J Louisville. And lastly, on Monday, December 14th at 3 p.m., Interfaith Pass to Priest Peace is presenting Nature-Based Soul Work with Doug Van Houten and Judd Hendricks. It's online and it's free on Monday at 3 p.m. on the 14th. This offering is designed to guide one to true adulthood and visionary culture cultural artistry. The sessions are about gaining the skills, tools, and perspectives for this journey of descent. There is a profound and unmet longing in contemporary culture for a life of deeper meaning, purpose, and fulfillment, and to experience our full membership in the more-than-human world, especially at this critical juncture in our history. Contemporary society has lost connection to soul and the path to psychological and spiritual maturity. This journey to soul is a descent into layers of the self much deeper than personality, a journey quite distinct from the transcendence aspired to in many Eastern spiritual disciplines. Doug has been guiding women and men into the wilderness, not just the outer wilderness of forest and desert canyons, but more to the point into their inner wilderness, the wilds and depths of psyche and soul. Doug draws on the wisdom of the natural world, depth psychology, eco-psychology, dreams, somatic knowing, poetry, and soul-furthering practices that include the way of counsel, soul-centric dream work, shadow work, trance dancing, and drumming, conversations with the more-than-human world. 
Doug's true calling in life is to support others as they uncover their own unique gifts and in so doing, transform their lives in service to what Thomas Berry called the great work of our times. Doug is also an ardent beekeeper, visual artist, a wily wanderer, a dream tracker, an emergent ceremonialist, a heart-centered activist, and a yoga instructor interested in new forms of somatic practice. You can learn more and register for free at Paths, the number two, peace.org that's paths the number two peace.org under ipp online and it's this monday the 14th at 3 p.m that's all the time we have for today here on sustainability now thanks so much for tuning in i'll be back in your ears again in one week's time my friends be well